your Bibles, please, and turn to Ephesians, if you would. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1. Back there on the book table, uh, please go by and uh, visit. We'll have a lady back there. The Baptist Magazine, uh, if there's, there are envelopes there, if you'll pick it up and take the card out of the, out of the envelope and subscribe to the Baptist Magazine, you can pick up one of those magazines back there for free. If you want to purchase one for $5, you certainly may. But I would suggest that you subscribe. There are 13 topics in every magazine that you'll receive, and you'll see today's world through biblical eyes and uh, there's a lot of insight in those magazines that will be a blessing to you. Also, uh, Things uh, Believed in Hell, Five Things Believed in Hell by Dr. Greg Neal. It's a tremendous sermon. I don't mean this in a bad way, but it's a better read. No, that didn't sound right, did it? This writing right here does something that the sermon, I love the sermon, but this thing in print, if you'll give it to somebody that's lost on their way to hell. I promise you, God will use this. It's a tremendous booklet. You'll want to get it. Uh, Running, Returning, and Redeeming by Dr. Greg Neal. And then this is, the, this is the great book right here that's been used all over the country right now. The pastors are using it for Bible studies, and it's being a tremendous help. Dr. Greg Neal's Satan's Toolbox, and I've read it three times, and I love it. And you can get that book, brand new book back there, Introducing Jack Howells to a New Generation, that's my new book. Trial by Fire, that's back there. A Passion for Souls, brand new book. And then Teaching on Preaching, every preacher ought to have this by Dr. Jack Hiles. Back there is tremendous. And so that's available back there. Please go back and take advantage of it. Hey, we've got a whatchamacallit back there with a thingamajig that we can uh, use your credit card. Ain't that something? Can you take this back to one of you guys? If you don't mind, put it back where it belongs. And... Uh, but please get that magazine. You'll really, you'll love it. You'll just absolutely love the magazine. All right, boys and girls, Ephesians chapter 5. I, th- I feel like we just ought to give an invitation. After that singing and after that, that preaching, man, that, that's, that's something. That, that, that'll be, if that don't get you, there's something bad wrong with you, boy. Ephesians chapter 5, boys and girls, in verse 1. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1. If you have that, let's stand and stretch just for a moment here. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1. I want to thank you, Pastor, for inviting us to come. Thank you for the motel. Thank you for the meals. And uh, I had uh, apple juice and I had applesauce. I had uh, sugar-free jello in my room. I had, uh, what did I have, bottled water, Bud Light. Uh, <laughs> if you're visiting, I'm kidding. I said that about a year ago, and a lady said, yeah, this is my kind of church right here, boy. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1, Ephesians 5 verse 1, the Bible says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. I want to talk to you about something that really helped our church, and the subject is everything rises or falls on fellowship. Dr. Lee Robertson, uh, of course, came up with the saying, everything rises or falls on leadership, and he's absolutely right. This is not to contradict what he taught. This is to add an addendum to it. Because I was not the great leader that Lee Robertson was. I wasn't the great leader that Jack Hiles was. And Lester Roloff and all those men, Curtis Hudson. But I know how to work. I know how to labor. And I learned a great truth here, and I shared it with our people. And when we were struggling, our church was struggling, we... I came there in August 1980. The church split in March of 1981. I went to pastor school and came back. 
and the financial lady got on the Rolodex and called all the members and said, we're starting a church across town. And I came back, and that thing split while I was gone. I was so excited coming back from pastor school. I passed the flying nun coming home. I was so excited. You're, you're too young. You don't remember. Uh, but I, I was heartbroken. And we struggled. And Scott can tell you a lot of the stories from the inside as far as the pastor's family. But we struggled for five long years. We didn't know if we were going to make it or not. But we did. We got to the other side. And I want to give a truth to you that I gave to our people that absolutely just set the place on fire. Everything rises or falls on fellowship. Father, help me tonight to help to make this very clear and very helpful. I love this pastor. I love his heart. I love his passion for souls. I, he's got a wonderful family and a wonderful church family. And I wouldn't do a thing in the world to hurt him. I want to help tonight. So, Holy Ghost, we've got to have you. Walk up and down these aisles and go from pew to pew and person to person and meet with us tonight. Talk to us, please. Please, in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. You may be seated. For some reason, and I don't know why this is, but we kind of get the idea that we hire a pastor. You don't hire a man of God. God sends men of God. God blesses men of God. And for every age, there's always been a man of God that God has used for a nation, and God has used for an area, and God has used for every church that belongs to Him. So when we look at this thing tonight, please understand that if you're coming in here and filling up 18 inches or 24 or 42 or 56 inches of pew, and, uh, and you come in here and you just come to, to, to see what's going on, you're missing the whole point of the Bible. So I want to take these scriptures and help you. Word by word. Would you look, circle the word be in Ephesians 5 verse 1. He does not say do. He uses on purpose the word be. God in essence is saying to us there's a difference between being something and doing something. Now when you think about being something versus doing something, an illustration might be a dad might say to his son, son go mow the lawn. And the boy would say, do I have to daddy? Do I have to? That's immaturity. That's doing something. That's not being something. My mama taught me to stand when ladies walked in the room. She taught me to open the door. I taught our kids, our, our sons, to practice their sisters, you know, pull the chair out. Put it back, son. Put it back. And, uh, uh, but we practice that matter of being so it's just second nature to you. When you say, do I have to go soul winning, you're immature. Do I have to go to church? You're immature. Do I have to read my Bible? You're immature. Do I have to come back on Tuesday night? You're immature. So please understand that God is on purpose here using the word be. It's not the word do. So there's two groups here tonight. One, write this down, spectator. Some of you are spectators. You come, you sit, and you watch, and you cheer. But you're, the other word that I want you to write down is participant. Some of you are participants. Some are spectators. You just simply watch what's going on, but you really are never really involved in what's going on, and you'll never really accomplish anything as a church if you don't understand that you've got to be a participant. I win souls because I'm saved Bob Gray, not because I'm Dr. Bob Gray. I won souls because I was saved Bob Gray, not because I was Pastor Bob Gray. I didn't want anybody to go to hell. I'm going to get on a plane and fly home. The person sitting next to me, if they don't want to be witnessed to, they shouldn't be sitting there. 
Somebody say amen. amen. That's not my fault. They let them get their own travel agent. Yeah. <laughs> I was in Atlanta one time, and I, I, I put my Bible out, and this guy next to me punched the, the steward thing. The steward came back there, and he said, uh, I am not sitting next to a Bible thumper for no hour and a half. Now, you find me another seat on this plane. And the steward said, we can't. The plane's full. The guy was so mad, he went and stood by the restroom for an hour and a half. It stinks back there. I don't know how in the world he hated it. Anyway, uh, you are either a spectator or a participant. Now, you answer the question yourself. When it comes to reading your Bible, when it comes to prayer, when it comes to soul winning, when it comes to tithing, when it comes to anything that you do, do you have the attitude that I have to do that or do you have the attitude I get to do that? I get to take care of my wife. I love taking care of my wife. Now, you, some of you are married, but you're still immature. Do I have to do that? Do I have to do this? That's immaturity. Now, look what he said, the next word, ye. This is not something just for the preacher. This is something for everybody. Everybody here tonight, if we could get you to participate and get involved, not just coming to church, but I mean winning souls. I mean tithing. I mean teaching Sunday school and be a part of what's going on. You see, the church is like a ship out there, and we're trying to get people out there drowning in the boat. Some of you are in the back of the boat with a drill. <laughs> You're back there saying, telephone bill's too high. Electric bill's too high. And we're trying to get people. You're putting holes in the boat we're trying to get people into. Now, the tr- I've, I've discovered this a long time ago. Uh, I, I, I am going to fleece the sheep. Okay, I'm not talking to you people anymore. I'm going to fleece the sheep. I'm not going to skin the sheep, but I'm going to fleece them. Because I'm telling you right now, tithes and offerings, that's how this thing works. I figured out a long time ago that uh, some people don't know what this thing's for down here. They think it's a Frisbee. Some think it's a discus. Some of you think it's a hat. But this is tithes and offerings. And I, you know how I discovered? They call me when the bills aren't paid. They don't call you. They call me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to hit you over the head with it on Sunday and say you better give tithes and offerings, buddy, because if you don't, I'm going to give them your phone number and they're going to call you. Right. Somebody say amen. amen. You're either a spectator or a participant. Amen. I do not like sitting on the bench. Right. I want to be in the game. Amen. I want to be doing something. Yeah. I want to be tackling somebody, knocking somebody down. I want to do something. Now, please understand what he said, be, and then he said, ye. Now, notice what he said, followers. Everybody wants to be a chief, but nobody, nobody wants to be the Indian. Everybody wants to be the leader, but nobody wants to follow. Yet the truth is, the pastor is the second man. Jesus is the, is the head man of God. This is his church, not the pastor's church. He has no right to have the kind of music he wants to have, the kind Jesus wants. Has no right to have the kind of standards he wants. It's what Jesus wants. So please understand that he says here, be, not do. Now, which are you? Are you an immature Christian or mature Christian? Do you say, I have to do this? Or do you say, man, I get to do this? He said, followers of God. Then he describes it as dear children. So he says that this boy down here is not going to order his dad mom around. He's not going to say, yeah, yeah, down here, down here. Not going to do it. You know why? He wants to live. (laughs) Yeah, you'd like to eat tomorrow, wouldn't you? Now, the truth of the matter is tonight, everybody here, please understand, all of you are holding in your hands the future of this church. Right. 
you're holding in your hands the future of souls in this area that you don't even know. That God, according to Ephesians 2.10, ordained works. God's got it worked out for you to talk to them. But if you stay home on soul winning night, they're not going to get the gospel. And somebody's going to die and go to hell because you are not participating. That you never should never get up and say, should I go to church tonight or shouldn't I? Should I go to Sunday school or shouldn't I? Uh, should I tithe or shouldn't I? should never be that way. Uh, I have to or I get to. You're either a spectator or a participant. Now, take the same chapter and take a look at the husband-wife relationship. In this same chapter, God teaches a great truth about this matter of everything rises or falls on fellowship. In the husband-wife relationship, if I were God, I would come to the husband first. He's the head of the home. God meant for him to be. He's the leader in the home. But I got news for you. That's not where the power is in the home. And God comes to the power first. So look what he does in verse 22. He doesn't speak to the husbands first. He speaks to the wives first. And he says, wives, submit yourselves. That word submit's not a bad word. It just means to adapt. Where my husband, uh, where, where the husband is strong, the wife is weak. Where the weak wife is strong, the husband's weak. It's just the way it works. We need each other. I'm not complete without my wife. Yeah, listen, I got to tell you right now, uh, men are stupid. That's the first amens I've got out of some of these women here. But, but man, alive! I was counseling one night. My wife was had her; she had good health, and she was counseling. I'm counseling, and this lady walks in, and it was time for her to come see me. So she went in the sat in the reception, or the the conference room, and my wife stepped out and came and said, "Come here." I said, "Okay, dear." We stepped out in the hallway. Said, "You're not talking to her." I said, "Okay." Fine. So I went back and said, ma'am, you go ahead and see my wife if you'll do that. We got home that night and I said, would you mind telling me what you're talking about? She said, I didn't like the way she looked at you. <laughs> and you ain't never talking to her as long as you're pastor of this church. You understand me. And I said, yes, ma'am, I understand completely. Now, I did. you see, you women know how wicked women are, you see. <laughs> okay. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, I, to me, she looked like homemade sin. I mean, I, there was no attraction there at all, but my wife saw something I didn't see. Wives are attuned to that. Husbands are strong where wives are weak, and so we need each other. But to whom does God come to first? Right. He comes to the wife first. Yeah. Now listen to me carefully. I am the head of my house. You understand that? You know why? Because she lets me. You think I could do what I'm doing right now if my wife wasn't in favor of it? No, you're right, right. You women, you know exactly what button to punch to set that husband off. You punch it and he goes, ah! And you look up and say, what's the matter, darling? You know exactly what the matter, darling, is. You know exactly how to set him off. Now, the truth of the matter is that I can prove it. There are a lot of men all be working bus routes that aren't because Mama Bear doesn't want Papa Bear gone all day on Saturday. There are a lot of young men that are called to the ministry, but they're not going to Bible college. You know why? Because Mama Bear doesn't want Papa Bear in the ministry. The power's in the hand of the wife. You can make or break your husband tonight. You young ladies, when you get married, don't destroy what God is doing in the heart of that man. Because everything rises or falls on fellowship. God goes to the wife first, not the husband. And he says, wives, you can make or break your husband. 
I went to Michigan State University. I left there, went to work for General Motors, and I came home one night and told my wife, I'm going into ministry. We had just built a brand new 2,400-square-foot colonial home, the dream home of, a, of, of any couple. And, and, and I come home and said, well, we're selling everything, and we're going off to Bible college. God bless her. She, she said, honey, whatever you feel like God wants you to do. Do you know she could have stomped her foot and thrown a fit, and I, could, I, 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 and I wouldn't have gone? The guy called me and said, hey, we're coming to Texas Baptist College. My wife doesn't want to, but she's coming anyway. I said, no, you're not. I don't need another counseling session. You know, first thing happened, they get there and things go bad. You know what she'll say to him? I told you. I told you. Now, somewhere in here, you need to understand the power. Dear ladies, tonight, please, please, please. Adam was not deceived. Eve was deceived. And Adam dove in because he loved his wife, the power that that woman had over that husband. You can make or break. I wonder how many great men of God will never mount a pulpit and never lead a church simply because their wife doesn't want him to. Listen, you want him off the bar stool, but you don't want him working for God. Thank God he got saved. Thank God he got off the bar stool. But you encourage him. If God leads him in the ministry, thank God for that and help him. What a great help. Man, I've got many a great sermon for my wife. <laughs> God bless her. She'd teach those ladies me. She'd come home and say, did you ever think about this, this, and this? I said, I'm going to. <laughs> Jot that thing down. Now, look what he says. His wife, submit yourself. Now, when it comes to the husband, verse 25, what does God say? You've got a wife that's adapting to God's leadership in your life. What does he say to her husband? Love your wife. Your wife's not your daughter. She's not. Whoever said marriage is 50-50? That guy's divorced today. Marriage is 100-100. 100-100. And you need to understand something here. The Bible says submitting yourselves one to another. And there comes a time when your wife says, uh-uh, I don't think we ought to do that. And you ought to listen to her. Now, wives also, when your husband says, we're going to do this, and you nag at him, then you better be careful because you could be pulling him out of God's will for his life. Now, the Bible says clearly here, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Oh, husbands, if you've got yourself a wife that's tuned in to God's will and tuned in to the work of the Holy Spirit of God, oh, thank God if you've got a wife, love the fire out of that girl. Make her a queen. Treat her like a queen. Don't treat her like a a red-headed stepchild. Don't treat... Where did that come from? I don't know. Is your hair red? It is, isn't it? God bless you. Uh, Now, somewhere in here, you need to understand what God is saying. God has said, wives, the power's in your hand. That's why I came to you first. Then he said, husbands, you got a wife like that. You love the fire out of that girl. You love her. My wife is not a robot. When I get home, she's not going to say, Hi, Dr. Gray, how art thou? Would thou like a kiss? No, she has a mind of her own. Boy, does she ever have an opinion of her own. But now, who the matter is, it's just, it, 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 can't, it doesn't work that way. She's praying for this meeting right now. She prayed for her son as he preached tonight. Praying for... Greg Neal, my pastor, 
praying for him tomorrow night and Dr. Neal tomorrow night. My wife can't do much. And she's not an invalid, but it's, it's, it's bad. But she will stop and she gets my schedule and she'll pray. She's praying for you, Pastor, and praying for your family. Thank God for that. She doesn't fuss at me. She's not mad at me. She wants to know. I, I got this, this phone and I take pictures. I'm taking, people wonder what I'm doing. She can't come with me. So I take all the pictures I can and I send it home. And she'll ask questions. And she'll always say to me, did the pastor's wife like you? And this went on for a long time. I said, why do you keep asking that? Because if she likes you, you can go back. Now think about that for a while. <laughs> what are you saying? God said, I'm going to come to you wives because you've got the power in your hand to make or break that man. And then you husbands love the fire out of her. Go to chapter 6, please. In chapter 6, in the parent-child relationship, to whom does God come to first? Does he come to the parent or does he come to the child? No, God comes to the child because the power's in the hand of the follower. You know, they'll say to me, how'd you get your kids to turn out right? Two boys, great pastors, and two girls, and they love God. But how'd you get the kids to turn out right? Wrong question. The question will be, how'd you get them to do right? When you worry about them turning out right, you're worried about your name. You're not worried about the kid. Bobby one time got demerits and got, uh, he was supposed to be in detention. But he, he was, uh, we had a basketball team. He was a starting guard on the basketball team. And the kids were, uh, whole, I was out of town, but the kids were home. And the kids were kind of talking in the kitchen. And mother went in and said, what's that? What's that? Said, well, Mama, I don't know how to tell you, but Bobby's dressed and he's ready to play ball tonight. She said, no, he ain't. Well, he is. She got in that car, drove down to that gym and took that boy off that court and took him home and beat the snot out of him back here. <laughs> Let him have it, boy. I remember I called her one time. And by the way, she went to church on Wednesday night. And somebody said, boy, did that embarrass you? She said, no, it embarrassed him. It didn't embarrass me. I call, when I go somewhere, I'll call her immediately when I get to the room. It's long distance. Hi, honey. Whoa, 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 whoa. Calm down. Honey, are you all right? What, what? my son? My son now. My son? What, what, did, what, did, what did my son do? Oh, honey, that's a whipping offense. We don't whip them for everything, but we have a list of things we whip them for. You know, lying, stealing, you know, that type of thing. What, 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 honey, honey, honey. My wife stands this tall. Bobby's six foot, 185 pounds. And honey, <laughs> that's a whipping offense. What did you do? She said, I looked up to him and said, to your room. I said, what happened? She said, thank God he went. He went in the room. We have this, Scott will tell you, we put their hands like that and put their posterior back there, buddy. That pad, that's what that padding's for. And, uh, and, and I said, honey, you can't reach his rear end. She said, I got me a chair and got up on the chair, buddy. I started wobbling. Bobby grabbed her by the wrist and said, Mama, the only reason I'm letting you do this is because I love you. I said, what'd you do? She said, I had him then, boy. <laughs> Beat the fire out of that boy. The power's in the hand of the child. Son, let me tell you how to never get another whipping as long as you live. Do everything your parents say. Well, we lost that one. I can tell you how to never get a demerit in school. You do everything the teacher says. 
That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. Let me tell you something. If there's a problem between a child and a parent, the child's wrong. In the Lord. If you've got a daddy that's in the Lord and you've got a mama that's in the Lord and they're doing what they're supposed to do and you're fighting your dad and your mom, you're wrong. Your dad is right. He's got more sense in his little finger than you've got in your whole body. Now please understand what God is saying. God is saying in the husband-wife relationship, the power of girls and ladies, it's in your hands. And when you've got a wonderful girl like that, he said, husband, love the fire out of her. In a parent-child relationship, God comes to the child first. Then in verse 5, verse 4, and ye fathers, then he goes to the fathers. He says, you got a good kid, loving God? Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture. That's a feminine term. Ladies, nurture. But God said, you got a good kid like that? Dad, you nurture. You nurture that child. So in the husband-wife relationship, talk to me. Whom does God come to first? Does he come to the husband or the wife? In the parent-child relationship, to whom does God come to first? Does he come to the parent or the child? Child. Now take a look at verse 5. Servants. And then verse 9. Masters. In the boss-employee relationship, guess to whom God comes to first? He comes to the employee first. He said, you hold in your hand the power of this relationship. And if you'll be what you ought to be, it, you know, it's, it's four o'clock, checking out time. They got the time card, and there's the t- thing down there. They're going to punch out and get out of there. And there's every company. They got people lined up uh, two minutes to four, one minute to four, and then it's like a rush to get out of there. But let me tell you something. The guy that'll stand around and mop up and fix up and st- hang around for a while, that boss will notice that, and he'll say, there's a worker. That guy's making me money. I'll keep him around. Please understand what God is saying to his people tonight. The power's in the hand of the follower. You can make or break your relationship with your boss. Now, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1. In the pastor-people relationship, God comes along and says again, now this is not something I want you to do. This is something I want you to be. I want this to be second nature to you. Lady walks in the room, you stand up, you open the door. It's just second, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. It's just second nature for you. I'm so glad I was raised by an old fashioned mom and daddy. I'm so glad I hear Billy, you call it all you want to, Arkansas stuff, that's all, just, just call it what you want to call it. But I'll tell you, my life has been so much better because of that old fashioned teaching that my mama taught me, my daddy taught me. They didn't have, daddy didn't have much of an education. He only had fourth, fifth grade education. But he knew how to pay his bills and he knew how to treat people. He knew what to do with his money. And I'm saying to you tonight, God wants to bless you if you'll be a follower. So in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, look what he says. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. God gave you a man of God to lead you and he's in the flesh. He's not perfect, but God on purpose did that. And so you follow him as he follows Christ. Now, that's, it's just second nature to you. Just second nature to you. Now, please, what God is saying here, this is so important. Because if you want this church to really reach this area for Christ, you can't come in here and sit and wait him for do it, to do it and put all the burden on him. You'll kill him. He can't do it. But if all of us together would say, let me follow, let me. Nobody, the preacher shouldn't have to check on you and see where you were. 
Do you know how time-consuming that is? The truth is, you church members ought to check on each other. <laughs> that shows that you care. If they go to the hospital, go visit them. They'll think they're dying for sure. But I'm just saying, he says clearly here, be ye followers of me as I also am of Christ. Can you imagine Scott? Scott, uh, he thought forever he was was going to be this tall. I remember he coming to me one day and said, Daddy, will I I ever grow like like Bobby and Kim and Karen? I said, no, kid, you're going to be a midget the rest of your life. He'd put my tie on. That tie not was as big as his head. He'd run that tie down through his pant legs. Can you imagine him like this coming to me and say, Yeah, 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 yeah. Daddy, I have an announcement. You are just a man. That's all you are. And I, for one, am sick and tired. I'm sorry. I, for one... I'm sick and tired of following just a man. And from now on, I'm going to follow Jesus. You know what I'm going to say to him? To your room. He's going to find out how just much of a man I really am. And we're going to have a powwow. I'm going to do the powing. He will do the wowing. And it will be stars and stripes forever. And he's going to find out how much of a man I really am. That's so foolish. Well, my pastor, he's just a man. He's not God. I didn't know he was running for the office. I didn't know that God retired. You honestly, that's stupid. That you, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. Are you that El Stupido? Uh, <laughs> that you think he's trying to be God? He's not trust, that's foolish. That's ridiculous. You're trying to cover up from some sin that you don't want to confess and get right with God. So he did everything but call my name. We'll come back next Sunday night. We'll call your name. He preached right at me. Oh, really? Well, that's, that's a unique thing, isn't it? I don't trust preachers who preach to the back wall. Look at me. Talk to me. Now, please understand what God is saying here. God is saying if we're to function like we ought to function, he's going to follow Christ as a follower, and we follow him as he follows Christ. Dr. Greg Neal is my pastor. I, I, he, listen, whatever he wants to do with that church, that's his business. And I'm going to support him 100%. Whatever he wants to do with that, that's, that's his business. Now, I'm going to follow him as he follows Christ. He gets up next Sunday and says, you know what? Let's, have a, let's, let's raffle off some whiskey barrels. Maybe that'll help us get a crowd. Well, he's going to be in trouble with that church because that church is going to fire him. So you don't have to worry about that. What you better worry about is what you're doing in following. Go soul winning. Win souls. Now, let let me help you with something. If five people go soul winning, is it possible to have five saved? Talk to me, yeah. Okay. If 10 go, is it possible to have 10 saved? Okay. Talk to me. Is it or not? Okay, if 15 goes, it possibly have 15 saved. So apparently the more that go, the more people are going to get saved. So what we need to do is get in, in the yoke with Christ and get in there and help our pastor and everybody. If this crowd right here, if you just go witness uh, to, to people this week and half of you hit pay dirt, you realize what that will mean next Sunday morning? That's what happened to the First Baptist Church of Hammond, Indiana under Jack Hiles. 
You have 4,000 soul winners out. No wonder you could baptize 500 people on a Sunday. We had 625 people go soul winning every week. No wonder you could baptize 100, 150 people a weekend. I'm just saying to you, that's the secret to it. Everything rises or falls on fellowship. All right, now get your pen out. I'm going to give you some practical things to do. Number one, write this down. Right, got it? Okay, write this down. Say amen. No, write it down. We got to work together. It's not the pew versus the pulpit, the pulpit versus the pew. We, we're, we're a team. We're a team. Now, if we're going to be a team, you're going to have to get involved and be a, be a participant, not a spectator. Now, all you men, stand up. All you men, stand up. Stand up. Stand up. You got pants on. Stand up. All right, now look at me. On the count of three, say amen. No, not yet. <laughs> One, two, three. Amen. Now, sit down and keep it up. Now, saying amen doesn't mean you're spiritual, but it dead sure keep you awake. We have 12 sections of the lower floor, 10 sections of the balcony, and the guy's sleeping over here, and I said, hey, wake that guy up. The guy next to him said, you put him to sleep, you wake him up. Now, you, we want you to participate. How are we going to do it? By saying amen. Right. Get involved. Amen. The preacher is preaching the word of God. If heaven's real, you ought to say what? Amen. Hell's hot, you ought to say what? Amen. Please understand, the great churches that I've known are partic- participating members who are part of what's going on. The preacher p- pitches the truth out, and you pitch it back to him. Amen. Now, I think you ladies ought to nod your head up and down. I, I don't think you ought to jump pews, roll on the wall, roll on the floor and run to the wall and get a nod on your head and call oral for a healing. But I sure would like to know if you've got teeth or not. You could smile and nod your head up and down. You could do that. All you ladies stand up. Stand up, stand up. All you ladies stand up. All right? On the count of three, are you ready? On the count of three, say, uh-huh. You ready? One, two, three. Uh-huh. Woo! Sit down and keep that up. You ought, to be, you ought to be a part of what's going on. Do you know why a preacher uses humor? To get you back. Because three to five minutes of listening, you're gone. You're saying to yourself, did we let the cat out? <laughs> you're saying, that, why? Did, did we shut the stove off? Your mind begins to wonder. So a preacher will use humor to get you back. But listen, there's nothing worse than for a preacher to tell his famous joke that he's told 10,000 times, and the only one that laughs is the one visitor that came. And he's a cackler. And all the church members look and say, he thought that was funny. He ought to live here all the time. Humor, I told the choir, I, I didn't have our choir sing for one year. I they couldn't, but I, I, I don't want you to sing for you. I want you to know you're supporting the preacher and the man of God. Say amen. And when I tell a sad story, cry. Be a part of what's going on. Be a team. Visitors come in and sit down and look down the road to see what your response is. That's exactly what they do. Scoot your chair up here. Scoot your chair up here. Come on, scoot up here. If you're sitting in a service, there's nothing any worse. I'm the member, he's the visitor. You know what you ought to be doing? Amen. Yeah. Ain't that good? Man, that's good preaching right there, boy. He'll be glad to go to the altar. You have got to learn to participate. You've got to learn to say amen. You've got to learn, number two, smile. Write it down, smile. Listen, people who come, they're curious. 
They drive by and see this building, and finally they get their nerve up to come in here. Don't let them sit on a pew with you bunch of Bless me if you can. Don't do that. If you're saved, put, tell your face. A wicked man hardens his face, the book of Proverbs says. Smile, nod your head up and down. Hey, even if you're guilty, I wouldn't let the guy know he got me. <laughs> Shovel that thing on back. Number one, we're going to say what? We're going to say what? Amen. Amen. Number two, we're going to do what? Smile. Smile. Are you ready? Number three, sing out. Boy, when you got music like this and singing like this, there's something about belt it out and belt it out and belt it out and oh, just sing. Oh, when we get to glory, we're going to break out into song and we're going to rejoice. It's going to be wonderful, but why wait till then? Enjoy yourself. Do you know how great a church this is? Do you understand how great the music is here? Do you understand how great the Spirit of God can work here? Well, it'll do work at your place too if you just decide I'm going to be a part of what's going on and sing out. All right, next, write this down. We're going to start to the altar on the first stanza of the invitation. We're going to start to the altar on the first stanza of the invitation. Do you mean to tell me that you can stand at invitation time and not move? Are you saying that you ain't never done nothing wrong this week? Your horns are holding your halo up. I like to follow you around with a video camera. For all have sin. For all have sin then why do you stand there and look at me when we give the invitation like a wooden Indian? You're guilty of something. And the way we preach, we're going to hit it sooner or later. I would suggest to you that you come and use this altar. You realize how easy it is for lost people to walk the aisle when saved people are walking the aisle. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall what? Humble. Hold it. At the end of that verse, it says, I'll heal their land, hear their prayers, and forgive their sins. But wait a minute. The catalyst there is the word humble. The great days of the great churches that I've known, and Dr. Tom Neal and I, we preach for these men. They preach for us. We preach for them. And those great churches were churches that responded at the invitation time. They responded with the preaching. You didn't have to drag it out of it. No, they responded to it. And the problem, the reason we don't have a healing of our land today is because you don't humble yourself. I was raised in an American Baptist denomination. Nobody walked the aisle. But if somebody did, you'd hear whispering all over the auditorium, well, what's he done? Have you heard anything, Harriet? What's he done? The truth of the matter is, instead of saying, what's wrong with him, you ought to come down here and look at the people who don't come and say, well, what's wrong with them? You mean to tell me the word of God, it doesn't mean anything to you? Look, I'll tell you, you'll never have that sweet fellowship with God until you're willing to face-to-face see the things in your life that are not what they ought to be. And you get right with God. You use the altar. Most altars is used for burials and weddings. That's it. But I'll be used after preaching the word of God. And if God speaks to you, come down here and talk to God about it. If God doesn't speak to you, come down and find out what went wrong. 
You have old time radios, you know the old time radios. You have to, you know, that, you get it just right. That's what's wrong with you. It's like he said a moment ago, the preaching to you is ecstatic. Then you say, I didn't get nothing out of it. Well, get in tune. And you might get something out of it. If God's, if you say tonight, I didn't get a cotton-picking, corn-pulling, peace-splitting thing out of either one of those sermons, I don't know why I came, then hit the altar. Is it God's fault? Is it the Bible's fault? Is it the preacher's fault? No, your reception's not working. It ought to bother you. You ought to come down and say, oh, God, you didn't talk to me tonight. Please, please, Father, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. And if God speaks to you about something, then come down and get it right. We don't have a telephone booth where you come in and pay $10 to confess your sins. To I mean, you don't. Now, I'll do it for $5. But the truth of the matter is, you better listen, listen. If God is not speaking to you, find out what you're doing wrong. I just don't like that preacher. You like to be entertained. That's what's wrong with you. I like that preacher because he's funny. I like that preacher because he's dynamic. It doesn't matter if the truth is shouted, mumbled through. Doesn't matter. It's the word of God. And you'll respond. First Baptist Church of Hammond, it was like a log jam. Preacher would preach, give an invitation. You just take about two steps, boom, you're jammed because everybody's going to the altar. You have 7,000 people trying to get to an altar like this. You can't do it. But at least the people stepped out. At least they made a move. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Please understand tonight, everything rises and falls on fellowship. But our church, boy, it's, it, people, people just don't walk the aisle like they used to. Well, then walk the aisle, dummy. Now quit worrying about what people are thinking about you. Amen. Well, I wonder what they think. He preached on adultery. He probably thinks I'm an adulterer. Did you hear what he said? Everybody hears something different. And you ought to use this altar. Get used to this. I'm telling you, and I'm not, Longview Baptist Temple grew from 159 to running high of 4,000. And I'm going to tell you why. Because our people responded. You get run over <laughs> trying to get to the altar. That's the way it ought to be. And for you tonight, please understand, everything rises or falls on fellowship. I can show you the correlation between people who started responding and what God did. And it was miraculous. But God does not love Jack Howells more than he does you. God doesn't love Lee Robertson more than he does you. Now, he loves me more than you, but that has nothing to do with it. But you ought to understand tonight, you hold in your hand the future of this church. I love this man. This, this, this is home. I'm at home here. I love this place. I love his family. Don't kill him. Don't kill him. Are you Catholics? Maybe that's the problem. You're Catholics. That's right. I, I got it. I got it. 
because they hire their priest to do their praying for them. And you hire your preacher to do your soul winning for you. And you work for you. Let's stand. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. The pianist is going to come. Musicians are going to come. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Tonight, I know there's something, something that you could have learned from this sermon tonight that you need to put into practice. Oh, how God loves Atlanta. Oh, how he loves, oh, I can think back to Forest Hills Baptist Church. I can think about the times, I can think about when I preached there. People dripping off of the balcony. I look back and I see First Baptist Church of Hammond. 7,500 people jam-packed in an auditorium on Sunday night. People responding. People saying amen. People being the best follower that they can be. Now, Father, tonight I ask you to move on our hearts. Lord, the great message we heard a moment ago about getting to the other side. We'll get there. We'll get there. Oh, the boat's filling with water, but we'll get there. We'll get there. We trust you. And then, God, this sermon tonight, God, please help the people to see how important they are. They can't just say I'm insignificant, but they're not. You love them. And you, God, please help us understand the power of fellowship. We've got to be here for soul winning. We, we've just, it, it's just, I, we ought to say to ourselves, I get to do this, and I get to do this for God. God bless this dear church. Don't let them kill their pastor. May they just be right in there, the Aaron and her, holding up his arms and encouraging him. God, please bless, please bless the people. Musicians are going to play. The altar's open. You come right now. Come on. Come on. Come on now. Come on. For the first time in your life, come on now. Come on. It's not going to hurt you. If you can't kneel, my wife couldn't kneel for a long time. She'd just come and just stand. But learn to respond. Draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to you. Learn to respond. Learn to say amen. You're saying amen to truth, not to emotion. You respond at the altar call to truth, not emotion. But I'll tell you what, sometimes I worry about us because we don't have emotion. <laughs> How about it? You want this church to reach Atlanta for Christ? It'll not happen if you put all the burden on your pastor. It's not going to happen. If everybody here would be an Aaron and a her. I loved it when I saw our layman walking down the aisle with converts by their side on Sunday because all the burden was, I was going to do it, but... I wanted them to know the joy. Thrilled me to see a bus captain like Bonnie Whedon bringing 50, 60 kids to church and walking converse down the aisle every week. I could see Silsey Allen Spencer, the head usher on the lower floor. I could see him walking down the aisle with a convert by his side. I could see so many in my mind's eye right now. I could see so many gray hairs stayed by the stuff. But they learn to follow. Your preacher is following Christ. And you ought to follow him. And you ought to learn to be responsive. Well, preacher, I don't want to fake it. Well, come on down here and get things right with God. And you won't have to fake it. That's what the altar's for. Man, everybody ought to take a bath every day. Everybody ought to take a shower every day. Well, there's times you need spiritual cleansing and just come down and just get get your heart warmed with God 
Learn to respond. Learn to say amen. For you to cut loose and shout every once in a while is not going to hurt anything. God will forgive you if you get out of bounds. You'll be all right.